This is the More Than Work podcast, where we talk all about how to gain more satisfaction in your job. It's possible to enjoy your life and your work, because business is personal. Hey, More Than Workers, have you ever negotiated for anything? So yeah. a lot of times when you think about, and Matt says yes, Matt oh. says yes. Diana, have you ever negotiated for anything? Time. All yes. the time. All the time. So a lot of times people think of negotiating as something that you do when you do this big business deal or a big bank loan or something like that. But there's lots of examples of where we negotiate in everyday life. Bethany, have you ever negotiated for anything before? Yeah. You just give a thumbs up, Bethany. It's oh, a, sorry. I forgot. It's an audio <laughs> podcast. Two in a snap. So yes, I have. I've negotiated when buying and selling houses, you know, with just other services that we consume. Sometimes As, negotiating is like decision-making. It's just like decision-making, right? Can you negotiate where are we going to eat dinner tonight with your spouse or something? Totally. Yeah. Yes. I think those are great examples of negotiating. So oftentimes when we negotiate, we don't go into it with the right mindset. We don't think about how do we want this negotiation to happen. And sometimes we negotiate when we don't even realize that we're negotiating. Mm-hmm. So today we're going to negotiate the art of negotiating. We're going to work our way through figuring out how can you have productive conflict conversations, which is another way of saying negotiations, where you can have good outcomes, strong outcomes. So we are going to negotiate, negotiating today. So we're here with Matt, Bethany, and Diana. Matt, why don't you take us away? And and maybe, Don, it is good to start by defining what it is that we're referring to as, as negotiating, which is how you kind of just started to go there. Negotiating could be conflict resolution right? It's disguised like that, or I won't say disguised. It's not really a disguise, but that's another way of referring to negotiating. It could be just referring to decision-making. It could be on a simple scale. It doesn't have to be the large money deal like Don was talking about. Any other ways that you could define maybe negotiating or what this you know topic really centers around? I always think of negotiation as two or more parties who have potentially different stakes in the outcome. So you're both coming to a discussion but it's not like the both of you will have the same outcome with whatever's happening. One person's giving and one person's taking, or there's some kind of an exchange that's happening. There's some sacrifice that's going to potentially occur in terms of the negotiation. A lot of times when people do think of negotiating, you probably get a little bit of a pit in your stomach because it's kind of a cousin of conflict, right? It means there's a disagreement that's occurring. Some of you though may also get excited, like, good, I get to go into a great negotiation. I can think of, I recently bought a car a few years ago and went in to buy the car and we wrote down a price. I did all my research ahead of time. I knew what they paid sticker and all that kind of stuff. I knew about how much over sticker and I wrote a number down on the piece of paper and you do the whole car salesperson thing. Mm -hmm. And they tell you how great the car is and you test drive the car. And then we sat down and I wrote down the number I wanted and I gave it to him and everything. And he's going to go, go into the other room and he's going to talk to his boss and he's going to champion for me. He's right. going to play the game. You know, yeah. I got to go talk to my boss. I'm going to see what I can get. He's kind of hard. I'm more rooting for you, but I'm going to go yeah. talk to my boss. And then they come back and are like, hey, I did the best I could. My boss says he'll go to this price. And he sat down and he said, okay, I'm going to counter with this. And I said, no, I'm just going to go with the price that I gave you. And he said, well, can you give me this much? And I said, no, I'll give you the price that I gave you. It's a fair price. And he said, well, can you give me anything? And I said, no. Mm. And he said, okay. 
And he <laughs> sold us the car for that. That's the kind of negotiation a lot of us don't think, think about or do think about. And it's the kind that a lot of us don't like, or you love it. You love it because it's an opportunity to destroy the other person. It's a battle and you're going to go head to head. And look what I just did to that salesperson who tried to play this weird game as I just destroyed them on the other side of that. Or you don't like destroying people and it's a conflict. And I don't like going up against somebody head to head like that. I don't like it. They're just a person that's a salesperson that gets a commission and they don't like their job and they have to go back to their boss and yeah. tell their boss that I had to give him the price that he asked for it because that's what that's what that's how bad I negotiated this. But maybe there's a different option to that. We think about it that way in terms of the car salesman, but maybe there's some different options and maybe there's something beneficial inside companies and inside teams to negotiate the right way. So that's why we wanted to bring up this topic. Yeah, and, and I thought you were going to use the example of where somebody literally drove you to the car lot, Don, because you had no car and they dropped you off. So you had to buy a car. You that was another time. Negotiation leverage that day. Yeah, that was another time. My, my car blew an engine and a friend of mine literally drove me to the car and I had a backpack with me and no way of getting home because my family was out of town. So it was like, yeah. I'm pretty, you're pretty much making a sale. <laughs> we're not going to negotiate today. Yeah. It's like the time after my wedding where I lost my shoes at the wet, you know, it's a wedding, right? You lose your shoes. I don't know what happened. I lost my shoes. I lost my shoes. I have my tuxedo shoes. You have to turn in at the end of the day. And I lost my other shoes somewhere in the process. So the next morning I went to like Payless shoe source with no shoes on. And like, like I walked in and they looked at me and like, I think we're going to make a sale today. I'm like, I think you are too. I think you are too. Yeah, but the pit in the stomach is a real thing. I know, you know, I don't want to, maybe we could just do a podcast about car sales because I know Diana just went through an experience where there was no negotiation. That's becoming a newer thing now too with the car sales. You just say what you have and they say, we'll give you this much for it and done. And and you know, there's no interaction with other people. But, you know, something that strikes me as different between that scenario versus the scenario that probably a lot of our listeners want to talk about is what if relationships are involved? Because when relationships are involved and team dynamics are involved, negotiation looks and feels differently. How come? What do I mean by that? Well, if I don't see that car guy again, right? it's not that big a deal to go back. Well, what's kind of interesting though, is like, you think about, I think about that relationship and not too long uh, after I bought that car, I did have to go back and I had a car lease and I had a different salesperson, but you can imagine like you have the same relationship with all those salespeople you know, at that car dealership. It's an adversarial negative relationship. And he quoted me a price on the lease that was way higher wow. than what I was expecting. Way, way, way higher. He, he tried to get me like, I'm going to, if you didn't pay attention, it was, it was $80 a month higher than what I ended up paying was the first price he quoted for the same car, $80 a month. So it, it's like you, what you're doing is whenever there's that lack of trust, you're trying to mess up over each other when they're not paying attention. And I think that's what happens. So if you work with the person, you don't want that relationship. Like I'm going to try to get, I'm going to steal your lunch out of the fridge unless you catch me doing it. You don't want that. Right. Yeah. So when relationships are involved, you know, it kind of takes away a little bit of leverage in the negotiation because this walk away power, you don't necessarily have walk away power. You know, I'm going to go to a different car lot. I can't just say I'm going to replace you with somebody else. That, that doesn't always work. So when relationships are involved and team and unity is involved, then there has to be kind of a win-win outcome that, that, that is a result of what this looks like if we are truly entering into negotiation. So some of the possible negotiation outcomes could be and let's just kind of talk through these. It could be kind of a win-win situation where we're both getting what we want. Both of us are able to, to walk away with gaining something in, as part of the negotiation or the decision-making process. Maybe there is a win and a lose, and we'll talk about that, and then a lose-lose. So maybe let's start there. How would we define what's a lose-lose, an example of a lose-lose negotiation outcome? 
So I think sometimes we've seen this and we don't see this very often with clients of ours. And I'm proud of this because I think it's good, but a lot of legal actions end up being lose-lose scenarios. So an employee sues an employer. And at that point, what you're doing is you're, the employee hires an attorney and the employer hires an attorney who both get paid by the hour to argue with each other. And they just fight and they fight and they fight. And both sides spend a lot of money and there's a court case at the end. And a lot of times the court case doesn't strongly favor one side or the other. Maybe some fees are recovered. The lawyers get paid a lot of money and neither side really recovers from it. And you just wasted a whole bunch of time and a whole bunch of negative energy. To me, that's the, that's the most common type of lose-lose scenarios that I can see out there. That's a, that's a, that's a simple example. Of that. I think it worked too. You know, we're talking about relationships. I could bring something to negotiate, something to the table, some sort of a decision-making process. There's hurt feelings along the way. We don't actually create any kind of forward movement or change. And now the relationship is so fractured, we just don't work well together anymore. I think that's a great example, maybe of a lose-lose situation there too. So so obviously when we're talking about negotiations, we're hoping for a win-win scenario, I, unless I'm speaking out of turn there. Would you agree? Yeah, that would make sense to me, Matt. I think you want both sides to win. I think that's a mindset in negotiation that shifts from the idea of, well, I'm trying to destroy the other person to going into negotiating thinking, can I find something that works for both of us? Is there a way that we yeah. could approach this to think about how we could both walk away with this feeling okay? And that's that's a different kind of a mindset going into negotiation. And so that's the kind of negotiation that we really want to talk about today versus the win-lose. Like destroy, you, you may not care about destroying the car salesperson. You may right. not care about that, but you sure probably you should care about destroying your coworker or your boss or somebody else that you work with. And it might not even be the person, but you're destroying the 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 production or the efficiency of the team. Uh, as well. The culture, if we can use a softer word like that, we're destroying the, the teamwork and the culture too. So how do you approach a win-win negotiation? So understanding that's the positive outcome that we're trying to get. There's a little bit of a change that I want that and it would benefit me, but it would also benefit you. But in order to get to this point, we both have to kind of have a give and take of the scenario here. So let's start there. How do you approach a win-win negotiation? Diana. So I'm going to rephrase it just a tiny bit. When I go into any negotiation, the only thing I'm thinking is how can I make you feel good about giving me what I want? That's what I go into it thinking. So I'm going to go in it saying like, okay, I know what I want, but I have to make you see what I want and make you feel good about giving it up. And if they do that, then it's a win-win for me, which it might be a lose for them, but they feel good about it. So it's not really losing. So some people that are listening might say, that sounds kind of shady or manipulative. How, what's the difference there? What's the difference? How are you drawing that? To me, it is that relationship, right? I still have to get what I want. I'm a very good negotiator, so I'm going to get what I want, but I'm not going to destroy you in the process. I'm going to make you feel good about giving it up. I'm going to make you feel like you got something, like you didn't give up all of your chips, right? Whatever it is, whatever that other person needs to feel good about it, I'm going to figure out what that is, and then I'm going to use that to my advantage. like that. I think that's an important distinction of like you said, like get you getting what I, I'm going to make sure that you give me what I want. But part of that process, Matt, and you asked, how do you get a win-win is, do you know what they want? A win-win negotiation, you get what you want and they get what they want. And you're recognizing that those two things don't have to be the exact same. Like they don't have to be a win-lose, like you get a thing or I don't get a thing. Yeah. It's the idea of like the old, when we were little kids and there's, you know, a chocolate cake that's in front of me, like, okay, well, you get the cake or do I get the cake? Well, we could split the cake and then we could both get the cake right? That's, it's that kind of an idea. But to get to that, you have to understand what do you want? I think that's the first step 
in a win-win negotiation is really sitting down before you enter into it and think what's really important to me. It's really easy when you get into a negotiation with somebody that you lose the sight of that and you start to fight for things that you don't really care about. So you really have to think, what are the core things that I really care about? Is it the undercoater army armor that goes undercoating armor? What is that? What do they call that? Do they sell in a car? Like if you go to buy a car, do I care about the, or do I care about the, the, the clear coat? The clear coat. There you go. Yeah. There's that. There's the, there's the floor mats. Do I care about that stuff? Or is price really my big thing? Or is it the terms on the loan that are really important to me? It's like really breaking down in the negotiation. What are the things that are important to you? And, and think about that for yourself. Yeah. Bethany, what were you going to add? No, first of all, this might surprise you, but I actually really like negotiating. I think it was something my mom, my mom was very, she just like knows how to negotiate. And I'm not sure if it was, if it's always a win-win. Sometimes I think it's definitely a win-lose and there's, there's some like evil pleasure in that, which we're not going to get into today, but <laughs> if we're going for oh. a win-win, <laughs> It was just a little like window into, okay. Yeah. Anyways, no, but I think that, that I don't even remember how I was going. Oh, well, so I think about like, you know, when you're thinking about things that, that, that matter to you. So when you're like negotiating a salary or something of like, really, why are you negotiating your salary? I don't think it's wrong to do that. I think that that's, that's okay in the right situations. And if you can, then go for it. That was something that's happened to me before. Um, in previous positions where, you know, it was a position that I was excited about. I wanted to pursue, but realistically, like I had, you know, needs of like, how am I going to take care, you know, take care of my kids and make sure they're covered and we're able to get them in childcare and all of that. So I remember like, I actually called my brother after I was offered the position and they said, here's what it's going to be whatever. And I was like, Hey, I feel like I need to negotiate. How do I do this? And really it was just the conversation of just be honest, lay out what it is that you need and why, and make a case for what it, what it is and, and just present it, just be honest about it and, and see what they say and say, this is what I need to be able to make that work and see what they say. And so I think that that's just, just being honest and, and helping people understand what your true needs are. Not just because you're trying to say like, I just want more money just because I want more money, but this is what I need to be able to make that work. Yeah. I think part of also negotiating that win-win situation is recognizing that there, this is, this is potentially mutually beneficial for both of us. Like, yes, there is some, there is a reason why I'm asking. Yes, there is something that I do want, but I also think that there's another way that you could benefit from this as well. You know, part of, you know, part of negotiating, I think is selling at the same time too, you know, selling this, this idea that I, I think if we glaze over the fact that that I am not benefiting benefiting from you know something from this negotiation, then I think that puts a bad taste in the other people's mouths. Like you're trying to pull something over, but no, no, no. There is something that I do want, and this is this is what I this is what I'm after. But I also think that we can make this a win-win situation for both of us. So how do we how do we accomplish both of these outcomes? Done. Yeah. So we often talk about how we get stuck in our own heads, right? We don't get to see what other people are thinking. So I loved Bethany's example where she talks about like, I want to get an increase in my pay. Like I want to make more money on that. So you may be going into a negotiation with your boss. But I think the first step on a win-win scenario is to think about it. If you only focus on the thing that you want and you don't think about what your boss might want, then you're going into a win-lose battle. Like you're either going to get it or you're not. 
if you go into it and think about a little bit about what does your boss want, you recognize that it opens up other dimensions. There's other things that might be there. So you might say, okay, if I get an increase in my raise, maybe you're willing to take on an extra responsibility. Maybe your boss says, oh yeah, I would be able to pay you more if you could also do this, this, and this. Maybe you're willing to be able to give that up. Maybe you don't want the raise, maybe the raise isn't as important as flexibility. Maybe there's something give, take, and benefits that you have. Maybe it's something that you're using within the company. I mean, there's lots of things that go into like your compensation as an employee, for example, that you could add to the deal. So I think the first step when you're going to negotiate something is think while you're focused on maybe salary, what other things in terms of a compensation could you negotiate? Could you give up something to your boss so that you could get something back? Is there something that you could kind of trade off for so that you could win something? Yeah, I love I love the idea of going into it, recognizing what the other person wants. I used to sell jewelry at the mall and I am amazed at how many people would come in and that I knew they were focused on price, right? They wanted the best price. They wanted a lower price, but my compensation, I was more highly compensated on selling a credit card. So I didn't really care about what the price was as long as you put it on one of our credit cards. So I could, I could say like, sure, I'll give you a better price, but you got to do it this way. And I got it every time because they were focused on the price and I was focused on the credit card. So we both won. They got what they wanted. I got what I wanted. But if I had gone in and said like, oh, well, I know you're focused on price. I can only give you this price. It wouldn't have gone as well. But since I said like, yeah, of course, I'll give you a better price, but you have to do it this way. Then I got something out of it as well. But I always went into it knowing what they wanted. That's a great point. I think that to do that also, you have to know what you want and what are you willing to give up for it? Like what's not important to you? So we go in sometimes thinking about only what's important to you. But in that case, like you were willing to give up something else that was important to the customer that in order to get what was important for you. And that is really like, that's a textbook win-win. I found this thing that I could help you to get. Like when you go to buy a car, if you think we keep using that example, it is a win-win scenario because you're trying to buy a car and you're going to walk away with a car and then they're going to have a out, you know, so there's, it's which car did I get? Did I get the features that I wanted? Did I get it now? Did I get the color that I wanted? There's all these different things that go into negotiating a car. What's really most important to you? You know, you don't have to win all of those different battles across every front. It's what's important to you. Maybe you don't care about what the end of the, the price is. Honestly, if you're negotiating the price of a car, that's a $30,000 car, you know, plus or minus $300 here is not going to make that big a deal, especially if you're going to finance the thing over six years or something. It's not going to make that much difference in a car payment. So consider those things when you go in so that when you're negotiating, you're willing to give up something and saying, hey, I'll pay that $200 extra if you'll throw in that CD player that I really want. Also, I don't know why I use a 1990s example there, but I did. Yeah, who uses CD players? They're like, CD player? <laughs> sure. We'll Take try two to... <laughs> I got warehouse full of those things. You know, let's talk about some things that are important in uh, negotiation as well, because to me, I just, you know, you guys are talking there and I was kind of brainstorming some next to thoughts here, but it seems like to me, and maybe not true for everybody, but to me, what I value and I think is important to have in negotiating is some sort of a relationship and trust at the same time. I think those are very, very helpful uh, as far as negotiate, negotiating. I bought a house. Uh, one time and the final appraisal, long story short, the final appraisal came back lower than what they thought it was going to come back. And as you know, the bank will finance the appraise, uh, the appraisal amount, not what they were asking for it, right? And the builder, the contractor, is a brand new house. The contractor found out the news. We were all in the same room and he was like, I can't, I can't even sell it for that much. I can't believe they did that. 
I recognize that, listen, I could play hardball and say, hey, it is what it is, right? But he doesn't have to sell me that house at that time. And I wanted the house. So I, I just said, how about we just, you know what? That's a, that's a, that is a crappy scenario. That is an unfortunate circumstance. I'll meet you in the middle. It was like $10,000 off and I'll, I'll meet you in the middle. You pay half and I'll pay half. And he said, deal. And we shook on it. And, but I think that relationship that we, we'd been going through that process for a little bit, that trust was there and it makes it easier to be able to get the things that you're asking for. If you have a valuable relationship already in place. I like that. I also was thinking with sometimes I think we think of negotiation as like some people are afraid of it. Like I think we kind of touched on of like it's it has to be really, you know, related to conflict. And I don't think it does. Like I think sometimes you just have sometimes it's just about asking a question and it's technically negotiation, but really it's just like just asking a question. So I think of times even when it was like, okay, we were trying to like create like lower bills, like we were trying to save some money. So it was just like a hey, we're gonna call all of these different services that we use and say, hey, we've been a customer for this long. We really value your service, you know, and we want to we want to stay on as a customer. Is there anything we can do? We're trying to save some money. And most of the time they would say, actually, yeah, there's some, you know, we haven't looked at that, but you've been a customer for this many years. Like we'll, we'll give 20% off or we'll do this, or we'll add in a free month here or whatever it is. And so I think it's, so I think it's sometimes we work it up in our, our minds, but I think sometimes it's just asking the question to see what people, how people can help, help out in those situations. So I think that leads, I think that leads kind of to another thought that I had as well, because in that, and that, that scenario, you felt like you were winning, right? You felt like you were winning, but they probably felt like they were winning. You know, because, and one of my points is concede, you know, be okay to concede the point. I don't have to win all of these. Diana, I think, you know, to all of our listeners, we've recorded back-to-back podcasts now, and I can't remember if you said choose your battles in this one or the last one, but this, it applies here now as well too. choose your battles. Feel free to concede the point because is it about winning this one or is it about winning the big one? You know what I mean? And so in that scenario, Bethany left going, yeah, we just asked them. They totally gave us 20% off. Look at how well we negotiated. But the other part of that is, yeah, we gave them 20% off because it's not a big deal because we're going after this. It wasn't about the 20%. Does that make sense? I love yeah, that. Absolutely. They still, they kept me as a customer and they, so they ultimately still won in that way. Right. Right. Yeah. Who wouldn't want you as a customer, Bethany? Exactly. Huge win. Huge win. I think it's a, that's, I mean, that's the key point of going into it. It really is a mindset as you go into this negotiation of if you go in with, this is a battle and I'm going to win every single piece of ground that I could possibly win, then I think you don't give yourself enough things to negotiate. Because if you're going to get, if I'm going to go into the car salesman, I'm going to get the best price. I'm going to get all of the deals. I'm going to get all the best financing. I'm going to get, you're going to do it on time. You're going to deliver it. I'm going to get the color I want all those different things, you're not leaving yourself anything to get a better deal for it. And if you really are open to yourself, if you don't care when you get the car, you can probably get better price for it. If you don't care about the financing, you can probably, I mean, there's lots of things you can give and take in terms of fine, in terms of negotiating that might be beneficial. Yeah. And this leads us, I think, to leverage too, because those little things that we have, those, those, the checklist of what's important to me, what's not as important to me. Those are things that I can view and utilize as leverage throughout the negotiation process. You know, so if it is, let's use a work example. I know that a lot of people are listening going, I'm not trying to buy a car. Can you please talk about your job? Okay, I get it. But same same principles. 
So if I'm at work and, and, you know, Don, we, we had talked about, okay, so asking for, for more money, but maybe there's something else that I could potentially do for it. I might not care to do that other task going into it. Now I already know that. And so maybe that's my leverage. I want to ask for more money. And if it's not going my way, then I will proactively then volunteer. If I do that, then, you know, if I do these things, then I think I would deserve more money. You know, those are examples maybe of leverage, but you probably have to have a good idea of what that leverage is before you go into the conversation. So you can be prepared for those talking points as well. I think it's a really great idea when you go into negotiation to think about what the leverage is before you go in. What is your leverage going to be? What are you really willing to do in terms of leverage? Like, if you don't give me the raise, are you willing to quit? Like, are you really willing to quit? Because I've seen people who get upset and they'll ask for like, hey, can I get a little bit of an increase here or a different job responsibility? And the boss says something, then you're like, well, then I'm going to quit. And then it's like, wow, are you really, is that, is it that important to you? Like, you want to be careful. You don't want to do it in the moment when you're emotional and, you know, engaged in the conversation. You want to think about it ahead of time. What are you really willing for it to do? And I think you have to recognize that both sides have some sort of leverage, right? Both sides have something over the other one. And so if you can think about what the other person's leverage is over you, then you can start thinking through what they're going to ask for versus what you're going to ask for and just know it ahead of time. Yeah. So if you're yeah. going in asking for a raise and you want to keep your job, yes, then be aware of that. They, they, could, they, you could, they could fire you, I guess. I mean, most people won't do that for asking for a raise. But I mean, if you talk about what's really important to you, you know, we, we try to train managers a lot who are say, if some employee comes to you and asks you for a raise, you know, the, if, it's, if it's a reasonable raise, if it's within some rate that you can possibly give someday, but you can't give it right now, maybe say, well, oh, great. I would love to, for you to get a raise too. Let's talk about what things we need to do to get you there. Like, let's work together to figure out how we can make you more money, but it's going to require you have to be more valuable to the organization in these different ways. We have to find ways for you to be able to learn these new skill sets, take on this additional responsibility, whatever those things are. But you, you want to plan that out ahead of time. Can I ask another question here? Maybe this is going back a talking point or two. We just talked about conceding the point. We just talked about choosing your battles uh, and conceding the point. Why do, some, why do so many leaders struggle with conceding the point? Why, why do we struggle with that? I think initially because it looks like weakness. And I feel yeah. like if you give up something, then you're saying I've lost already right off the bat, right? I've lost or they're holding something over me or I shouldn't have to give up something or, you know, I think it feels like weakness or it looks like weakness to concede something. The word concede in and of itself feels like weakness, right? And failure but I don't think that's the case if you're doing it right. Yeah. I, th I think best case scenario here is, especially in one of these negotiations is that we can still walk away and both of us feel pretty good about it. Hopefully, you know, uh, both of us, both of us feel good about it and, and, you know, we can continue to be productive, but sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes it's not the case. This might be a win lose. And uh, Bethany talked about, talked about this, and sometimes that's exciting, the win-lose uh, negotiation there. But let me, let me change gears and you know, bring me, reel me back in if you feel like I'm going completely off track here. But what about watershed conversations? What about we have made it to this point now? They are, we are having a conversation. We have, we have had a conversation with an employee several times. The behavior is not changing. I really best case scenario, want them in line with what it is that I'm hoping to accomplish. But I recognize, you know, that my leverage, I recognize going into it that I'm okay if they leave also, you know, how does that, how does that play into, you know, this, 
being able to, that's a scenario where I'm going to walk away from it and it might be a win-lose situation, but how is that still positive, I guess? How do I enter that negotiation into a win-lose and still feel good about it? I don't, I don't look at that as a win-lose scenario. So, so just to remind everybody, like if you haven't caught this before, like when we talk about a watershed conversation, it's an idea is you go to, you have an employee who's good at their job, but they're toxic and you have a conversation with them and it says, look, I want you to be on the team because you're a great leader, but you can't stay on my team and have a negative attitude. So I'm going to give you a choice. You either need to stay on the team and have a great attitude, or you need to decide to leave the team. And that's, that's the watershed conversation. You're going to pick one direction or the other. If the person at the end of the day says, I hate you and I can't stand you and I don't want to be here anymore and I'm not willing to have a good attitude in here, then it's time to move on. And while that doesn't sound like a win for the other person, it's going to be because we've been around long enough. We've seen that toxic employee leave company A and then go work for company B that we also work with and become highly engaged uh, employee because now they've, they've gotten past that. If you hate your job, it's good for you to move on. I know that feels like a loss in the moment, but what's going to happen next is maybe you'll find a good job for yourself. So I do see that as a win-win when I look at those. It's just the matter of perspective. I like that you use the word matter, you know, the, the phrase matter of perspective there. Some people might go into that, especially if they're, they are not enjoying difficult conversations. Like they're, we're frustrated and we're emotional when we go into it. And I can't even believe that you're making me have this conversation. I hate to even have it. Like, I feel like I lost. I understand what you're saying is the win-win, but I think there's a lot of leaders out there that feels like maybe they failed as a manager that I even have to get to that point or something like that too. And so I like how you're saying that, you know, that potentially a win-win situation. And, and this might even, you know, I was thinking about this too. Can we talk about maybe some of the, some of the don'ts of negotiation. We've been sharing a lot of good tips on some of the things that you need, need to be prepared for. What are some of the don'ts? And I'll start it just because my brain was already working that way anyway, and I don't want to catch you off guard. But some of the don'ts here is, man, it's really hard to negotiate emotionally. It's really hard to be emotional and negotiate because I'm so laser focused on the frustration, you know, the frustration that's causing me to have this, you know, negotiation conversation in the first place. One too many times. Now we've got to change the behavior or whatever that looks like. You know, I would say that's one of the don'ts. Maybe take a breath, sleep on it, and maybe let's come back tomorrow and talk about it. So one of my don'ts would be don't negotiate emotionally. What are some others? Uh, one big don't I have is don't avoid the conversation, right? Just because you are scared of negotiating or you're scared of talking about it, don't avoid it. Like you have to go do it. So that's my biggest don't. Don? I think a common mistake is you sit down to negotiate and you lay all your cards on the table all at once. Yeah. Like, like here's, here's all of the things that I'm thinking about. And so you don't have to sit down and say, I, here's what I want. I want this and I want this and I want this and I want this. And if you don't give me this, I'm going to walk away. And this is going to be my da, 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 da. Like you don't have to play all those cards at once. You don't have to tout your leverage. You don't have to rub people's noses and the fact that you could quit your job if you're negotiating a pay raise or that you might not help a team member or, or something that you're working together. You don't have to make those threats or anything like that. You just start off by really, you should start off by collecting information. Like, hey, here's the challenge. I'm going to lay out. Here's why we're approaching this. But I want to, you know, is that even on the table? Like, can we talk about that? Another mistake I think that I've seen people make is they will negotiate with somebody who does not have the power to make the decision that they want to be made. Ooh, yeah. That happens a lot within companies is somebody will go to a manager and say like, I want a pay increase. And maybe that company, that manager doesn't have the power to give that pay increase. And they'll have a big, long discussion. And the manager still engages it because they don't want to lose the employee. But it's like, I can't even, you know, I can't even argue that point. 
I think of that with cable companies. You know, if you've been on the on the call with a cable company talking about a customer service with a customer service line, and you're trying to argue about pricing or something like that, like they don't have the power to change any of that stuff. You know, so if they don't have the power to change the thing that give you the thing that you're negotiating, you're negotiating with the wrong person. You need to switch. So a lot of times I'll give you this. I know we're using out of work examples a lot, but I think it can be related to in work. I called our cable company to negotiate our pricing like Bethany talked about before. And I liked Bethany's approach to that. But my very first question on the customer service pricing is I said, hi, I said, if I ended up being your favorite person in the world and we completely got along and you wanted to help me, could you change anything on my cable bill? And the person said, no, I'm not the one that can do that. And I said, who is the one that can do that? And can I talk to them, please? And then they forwarded me to somebody else. So I, did, I had that discussion right up front before jumping right in and then arguing with the person that can't even change anything. Uh, so I, th I think that's an important piece is too, is to think about, are you, it's, it's a mistake to negotiate with somebody who can't give you what you need. Diana? I think it's also important to not focus on your needs first. I think if you can sort of ask some questions and see what the other person is needing to get out of it, that you can then decide what you're willing to do from there. But I think if you focus on yourself and your needs first, that it starts the conversation off wrong. That's great. There's a, there's a book called Never Split the Difference. It's by Chris Voss. Uh, we were talking about it internally here uh, just a little bit ago. Uh, he's actually a, a public speaker. And whenever Bethany brought up the book, I didn't even register, but I've seen him speak a couple of different times at different conferences that I've attended. He's a former FBI negotiator. And now he goes into the business realm and he talks about negotiating and the power of negotiation. And some of his tips are show the other side that you are negotiating in good faith. So this is a mutual interest thing here. Be genuinely interested in what drives the other side. So we're sharing an interest in what it is that you have, what it is that, why it is that you're making the decisions that you're making, what it is that you value. Take emotions into consideration, which I think this is where some people struggle too. There's that emotion word again, but I wanna take emotions into considerations. I don't wanna jump in emotionally like we just talked about, but I do wanna recognize that, especially if I'm asking somebody to give up something, there might be some emotional value tied to that thing that they're giving up. Build trust-based influence through the use of tactical empathy, which I think is interesting. And then another one that it talks about here is work to deactivate negative feelings. Because at the end of the day, what we're hoping to do is to be able to walk away and still have a fruitful relationship and partnership, especially if we're colleagues or peers or you know whatever that, or even if you're manager employee, I still want a valuable relationship here, a valuable working relationship you know, beyond, beyond this as well. So Bethany? Yeah, a lot of it is just, it's the same kind of tips that we would say for how to improve communication and build trust in a relationship. It's the, it's listening, it's, they talk about like mirroring is another one, using, using terms like it seems like, or it sounds like, or, you know, things like that versus just some of those really confrontational ways that we communicate with people and some of those simple things um, that we can do and how we just have a conversation with with people that we are trying to negotiate with. So to your point, Matt, it's that empathizing, all of that impacts how we negotiate. It's how we build trust with people. It's how we communicate with people. Um, so it's, so it just crosses over, I think. Yeah. He, I had a friend of mine who built a house and he put in a subfloor in the house and the subfloor after they finished the, the house, the house is completely done. They're moved in. It was their dream house. The wall started to crack all throughout the house. And they investigated it and they found out that the subfloor that they had put in had been treated poorly 
So it didn't, it was absorbing moisture and growing and just slowly growing and then shrinking and tearing up the house. And there's no easy way to fix that. It's a subfloor. Like you can't just, oh, I'll just go take the subfloor out. You have to take out everything to oh, get yeah. out the subfloor. So he lit, so he had to go into a negotiation with the subfloor contractor, the, the subfloor company that manufactured the subfloor and his builder. So it was a three-way negotiation. And he asked me to help him. And what was really cool about that whole experience is he went into it and he opened up when we, and we approached this very carefully doing what Bethany talked about is saying, look, none of us chose to be here. None of us chose to be here. The builder wanted to build a great house. The subfloor wants to provide the great product. And we wanted to live in a great house, but that's not what happened. So I think all of us just want to figure out how can we make it right in a way that what we're all willing to be able to do and setting the tone for that the whole negotiation, it was not a battle. It, it was it was very much, it could have been, if he had gone into the conversation, let me flip that around. He could have gone in the conversation and said, that was my dream house. My wife and I moved into it. You destroyed it. That was, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to go hire the best attorney I can unless you really make it right. And then right. it's a battle. Then it's a battle. But this one, I mean, they talked about, they negotiated everything out really carefully. And he got a lot more money than I think he thought he could get. And the contractor was protected through it because the contractor was kind of the middleman in that situation. He didn't even select the subfloor. This other person did. And then the subflooring company paid out a lot, but really got what they needed because it wasn't as much the stuff that they cared about was not the same thing he cared about. They didn't really care about the money. They were more about the reputation, about fixing it, about the amount of pain that they were going to have to, about how much work they were going to have to do. Yeah. So they ended up really finding something that they walked away with it. And the subfloor contractor, after paying hundreds of thousands of dollars, in this settlement agreement actually said at the end of it saying that was the best settlement agreement we've ever like had to pay I've ever gone through. Like, I really, I'm going to kind of miss you guys. Like these have been really good conversations. We've been problem solving this together. That's crazy mindset to think about, but I think it's really, really powerful. And that's exactly what I meant when I started this by saying, how do I get you to feel good about giving me what I need? Right? Like that's, when you go into it thinking, how do we all feel good at the end of the day and still all get what we need? That's going to be a great relationship. That's going to be a great conversation. Will it be hard? Sure. But is it the right conversation to have? Absolutely. All right. And then I, I would assume, I would assume Diana, that might be your tip as we go, get ready to go around the table here and uh, talk about uh, maybe some of those closing thoughts or Don, you had something else you'd like to point out. Yeah, I just want to I want to point out something here, too, because in any negotiation, just like any relationship, we can only control our side. So I wanted to talk a little bit about what happens if the other side comes out swinging. What happens if the other side? What if the negotiation is going poorly? So I wanted to throw out a couple, a few quick tactics to try to get it back on pace if I can. So sure. let, let's say the other party comes to you and starts they're swinging at you and, and, and fighting. Some tactics include Matt, you already brought up one is taking a break like walking away. If it's just going bad and the emotions are picking up and everything is like, you know what, let's just take five. Let's walk away. Let's come back at this tomorrow. It seems like, you know, we're a little bit upset on this. We'll come back to this later. Taking a time out whenever things aren't going good. I think that's a really good one. You know, another one is a, a concept called, and I'll call this a takeaway. And this is when the other person feels like they have to win everything. Sometimes like you need to give them a win is sometimes you can give them, give them something you already gave them. So I'll give you an example of that. Let's say you're selling your house and the other person's like starting to beat you up on inspections and everything. One tactic is, you know what? I'll throw in the refrigerator. I'll throw in the refrigerator into the house if you want to keep the refrigerator. Now you might've been planning to throw in the refrigerator the entire time, but now what you're doing is you're pointing out things that you're giving that enrich the package and it helps the other person feel, oh, wow, well, I got the refrigerator in the deal. 
even though you were going to give them the refrigerator anyway. So sometimes it's looking for things you were going to give up anyway and throwing it in there and kind of saying like, look, it's a win for you. That's a way of giving the other person a win if they have to absolutely win. Another one that another tactic that's out there is something I'll call the punch and move. It's this idea that if they're really swinging at you, so imagine you're in a negotiation and it's really getting heated and it's really getting negative and you need to use your leverage. Sometimes it's just, it's refer to the leverage and then pull back and say, but I don't want to go there. Like, I don't want that to have to happen. You know, so like, like Matt, you talked about the watershed conversation of like, you know, in the watershed, a lot of times we'll train people to have the conversation and say, look, like if you're going to have the negative attitude, I cannot have you on this team. You cannot be a part of this team, but I don't want that to happen either. Like, I want you to be a positive part of this team. So it's kind of like, I'm showing you the leverage. I'm showing that I am willing to, to punch, but I'm going to move over here then right after I punch to show you like, no, it's okay. And then let the other person kind of lean in a little bit. I've also heard that referred to as brandishing your weapon. Like you just, you just show them, you just show them what you got and then you put it away, right? Like, I'm not going to pull it out. I'm not going to use it. I don't want to do that, but I have it. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a rose in this hand. I'm holding it in front of you, but I've got a gun back here and I'm just going to let you know that I have it in case you need it. But I got this rose right here. It's like using the carrot and the stick. Yeah. I would think that could make or break the negotiation. Cause that could, you, you, that could also, I, 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 that could also go the other way. Yeah. You don't want to start with that, right? You don't want to come in and say like, here's how awesome this is, but you want to, I, I was involved in a negotiation recently where somebody else every once in a while would come out and, and throw a punch. And it was just kind of like, you just kind of show like, like, look, I want this to work out too, but if it doesn't, you know, I've got this, but look, we don't need to go there. Like we don't even need to go there because we're going to work this out. And it kept bringing the other person back to the table. So yeah, you're right. You don't want to lead that. You don't want to come in and say, I can, first of all, let's just talk about this. I can destroy you. And here's the 10 ways I can destroy you. And I'm going to lay that out. Right. Yeah. You don't want to set the tone that way. Right. All right. Great talking points. Let's go around the table here and, and uh, let's give a quick tip here on negotiating. Who would like to start? I think sometimes, so we talked about empathizing with people and listening to people in negotiation and all of that. I think sometimes you can help people actually empathize with you by helping them sort of putting them in your shoes, if that makes sense. So kind of saying like, here's where I'm at. If you were me, what would you do? How would you handle this situation? What move would you make if you, if, if you were me? And I think sometimes that just flips the script a little bit and helps people stop and be like, oh yeah, like whatever the situation, I've been in that situation too. I understand why you might be frustrated. You know what? I probably, this is what I would probably do. And I have, and I have used that before and it was really helpful to help us get to a, here's what our next step needs to be. Um, we're kind of at a standstill. What do we need to do next? Um, and sometimes I think that's helpful too. Great. Thank you, Bethany. Diana. Yeah. I like that one, Bethany. I think my tip is a very practical, like in the moment tip it's take some notes while you're negotiating, right? Hear the other person and write those things down that they're saying what they really want so that you know what they're asking for and you can refer back to it and say, I heard you say this. I wanna make sure I'm clear about this. What did you mean by this? And I think the more you can hone and define and be, be very specific and clear, the better outcome you're gonna get for both of you. Awesome, thank you, Diana. Don? I like that. I'm going to tweak something Diana said earlier. And I think this is really good advice is, and this is my takeaway is I think the goal of a negotiation is to want to make the other person want to give you what you need. 
And the way that you do that is you, the only way you can do that effectively is to engage the expert on what the other person wants, <laughs> which is, means asking them questions and yeah. getting to the heart of that to find what, how do I really legitimately make you want, not fool you into making you want, but legitimately, legitimately find a way to make you want to give me what I need and know what I need too. That's great. I, I would say for me, it's going to be, I want to go more on the emotional side of this and recognize that at the end of the day, after this is over, we still want to productively work together, especially if we're using this as a work case scenario here. I want to be able to productively work together. And I understand there are emotions involved in this conversation. So I need to be aware of that. You know, there's a lot of emotional intelligence maybe that plays into this too, but I need to be aware of those emotions at play and recognize the things that I'm saying have impact. So stay focused on the things that you're negotiating about and recognize that, man, at the end of the day, I still want to be a productive teammate, project manager, whatever that looks like, employee uh, with the company too. Diana, what were you going to add? Yeah, I was going to say that one of my favorite sayings is like, never burn a bridge because you never know when you're, when you might need that bridge. And I think that absolutely applies here too. Never go into a relationship thinking you're going to burn down the bridge. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, we hope the uh, conversation around the art of negotiation was beneficial and you learned something. Feel free to give us feedback or ask questions specific to the topic or give us other topics that you would like us to discuss. As always, it's our pleasure to bring this to you and we hope to talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the More Than Work podcast. Join us next time. And in the meantime, lead well. <laughs>